Good afternoon and welcome to Milwaukee Mennonite Church. Thank you so much to the Stolpe guys for the music and Aaron on tech and Mandy as greeter and everyone else who's had a hand in today's service. Okay, well, true story from a gal who I follow on Instagram. Her name is Kat. And she's a farmer in Scotland. Just has no point to the story, but that's fun to know. Last year, her 11-year-old son, I guess I can take this off, came home from school, and he said he quit the school nativity play. And she said, why? And he said, just the same story every year, Mom. Uh, and it made me laugh, and it also made me think. Isn't that how it is with so many parts of our faith journey and our interaction with God's stories? We are, as a society, organized into seasons and cycles and years, and so traditionally has gone the church. The, rep the repetition can be good, reinforcing reasons and belief, circling back again and again to truths we need to hear, reminders of God's faithfulness. But sometimes it can be negative if it starts to feel trite or stale. A tradition of the church is to highlight joy on the third week of Advent. Joy. Joy is amazing, but joy can also be tricky because fake joy isn't the point. Joyfulness is often not manufactured, but spontaneous, unexpected, sometimes a fleeting feeling. Can you make yourself feel joy? Can you feel joy while acknowledging hard things or current pain? Yes. During Advent, we move toward the light. And maybe that is the joy, not feigned emotions, but a deep existing feeling that the loneliness, the chaos, the heartache, the messiness, the darkness is not the only story. It's not our only story. May we all move toward the light. Matthew, would you help me read the call to worship? Look, I am sending my messenger. Go tell what you've seen. God's awesome wonders fill the earth. The lost are found. The blind receive sight. The deaf hear. The lame walk. The poor are preached to, and those who are dead in spirit receive new life. Is this what you were expecting to see? Blessed are they who trust in the Lord. For his, oak, for his yoke is easy, his burdens are light. Our first hymn is in Sing the Journey, which is the green book that you have there, number 13, My Soul is Filled with Joy. My soul is filled with joy as I sing to God my your 
have chosen, and holy is your name. Third verse is the last verse. I proclaim the power of God. You do marvels for your servants, though you Our next hymn is in the Purple Book. Voices Together, 218, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. My candle lighting helpers could join me. Got Izzy and Emma up here with me for the candle lighting. Emma, cut them on over so you can. This is your part right here. Right here. Yep. Strengthen our hearts. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of 
Tell what you hear and see, even now, like water in the desert, we see God's action all around. We, as we gather strength, we light this candle as a sign of your love made visible among us. Bring your restoration to your people, we pray. Our next hymn is in the purple book with the spiny here. Sing the story. Um, and number three, come light of the world. The additional verses are on the bottom of the page. Eric and David will play through it once and then we'll, we'll sing all of those verses. During our confessing and reconciling time, um, we will offer up same book, number seven, as a meditation. And you can feel free to use your hymnal or not. The words are simply, come, come, Emmanuel, come, Emmanuel. So however is going to work best for you, reading the words or closing your eyes and not reading the words. We open our lives to God's healing presence, seeking peace with God and reconciliation with our neighbors. We are mindful not only of personal evil, but also of our communal sins of family, class, race, and nation. We respectfully and humbly acknowledge that we gather on the traditional territory of indigenous peoples. May we be mindful in a way that leads us to action regarding their relationship to this land that precedes ours and to collectively engage in fundamental measures that advance justice for the indigenous peoples of the region past, present, and future. God, you challenge us in this Advent season of preparation to put aside our pride and understand our need for repentance, forgiveness, and mercy. Less of self, more of you. Purify our hearts that we might serve you faithfully. 
and you can enjoy a period of silent reflection before we sing. As the rising sun comes to us each dawn, Lord, shine upon our darkness that we might know the joy of our salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, and your great mercy. In the desert places in which we walk, the streets we roam, the paths we cross, guide our feet, take us to places where you would go. Give us words that you would use, that in this Advent season of promise and preparation, we might point the way with John the Baptist to the Lamb of God who takes away our sin and the sin of the world. I'll now invite Norm and then Lori to read our scripture. Isaiah 35, 1, 2, and 8 to 10. Uh, and this is the paraphrase by Eugene Peterson, the message. Wilderness and desert will sing joyously. The badlands will celebrate and flower. Like the crocus in spring, bursting into blossom, a symphony of song and color. Mountain glories of Lebanon, a gift. 
Awesome Carmel, Stunning Sharon, Gifts, God's Resplendent Glory Fully on Display. God Awesome, God Majestic, Energize the Limp Hands, Strengthen the Rubbery Knees, Tell Fearful Souls, Courage, Take Heart. God is here, right here on his way to put things right and to redress all wrongs. He is on his way. He'll save you. Blind eyes will be open, deaf ears unstopped. Lame men and women will leap like deer. The voiceless will break into song. Springs of water will burst out in the wilderness. Streams flow in the desert. Hot sands will become a cool oasis. Thirsty ground, a splashing fountain. Even lowly jackals will have water to drink and barren grasslands flourish richly. There will be a highway called the Holy Road. No one rude or rebellious is permitted on this road. It is for God's people exclusively. Impossible to get lost on this road. Not even fools can get lost on it. No lions on this road, no dangerous wild animals. Nothing and no one dangerous or threatening. Only the redeemed will walk on it. The people God has ransomed will come back on this road. They will sing as they make their way home to Zion, unfading halos of joy encircling their heads. Welcome home with gifts of joy and gladness as all sorrows and sighs scurry into the night. Matthew eleven two through 6. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to them, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them, and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. All right, this isn't really like a children's time because that's kind of an ever-evolving thing right now. Maybe it's a little vignette. But could I ask um, the junior hires and elementary school kids who are with me not to come up and sit, but to come up and help me with passing something out? So Micah Bailey's. Whatever. <laughs> All right, so my little helpers didn't know that they were helping me with this, but they are passing something out to every family group. Um, And if you have multiple levels of a household, one for every level is fine. I'm looking at you guys going, what do we do? <laughs> Take as many as you want. <laughs> okay. Could the Stolpe clan have a few more? <laughs> I guess you do have four levels. All right. Thank you. Thank you, assistants. So we just heard from Isaiah the prophet who mentioned that the wilderness and the desert will sing joyously, the badlands will celebrate and flower, and how the crocus in spring will burst into blossom, a symphony of song and color. And how do these words make you feel? 
they kind of give me a lot of hope, a lot of joy. And on a dreary day like this, when it's so hard to like imagine how our world sometimes is bursting with blossom and symphonies of color, um, maybe I need a little help. So you guys can open your jar carefully. And what do you see? <laughs> I think you said a bunion, an onion. There's some little lumps in there um, and a lot of lumps of pebbles, but there's a lump. It's actually a growing thing. So what you're going to do is you're going to put some water in this when you get home and put it near some natural light. And what's going to happen is you see that green part that is going to start to get bigger. And you might also start noticing some white roots snaking and finding purchase through the pebbles snaking down. And the green part might actually start leaning toward the source of light. Um, so keep watching on those. Keep, keep a watch on those. And eventually you might get to see some blossoms, smell some fragrance, see some bursting and blossoming and symphonies of color. So hopefully even in this colder and darker time, these are actually called narcissus or paper whites. It's a kind of a tradition to kind of have these this time of year through the darkness and then they grow like they're the earliest blooming things in spring. So it's a little bit of an advent tradition. So hopefully during this cold and dark time, you can watch your paper whites move toward the light and that can help you kind of steer your mind orientation toward the light as well. The light of remembering God's love for all of us at all times. And now I'm welcoming Amy up for a sermon. Hey everyone. Um, so I want to start today with um, kind of some explanation or well, kind of some disclaimers, I guess. Um, today's message um, is going to focus on the role of disabled people in today's readings. Um, and it's informed by the theological insights of disabled individuals, um, notably the Reverend Dr. J.J. Um, Flagg. Theology of disability has been an interest of mine for several years as I've grown into an understanding of myself as a disabled person. Um, as I was diagnosed with ADHD a few years ago and have um, several mental health conditions that have been disabling at various times in my life. Um, my understanding has also been informed by learning about the experiences of loved ones who are neurodivergent or live with mental illness, and by my current work ministering to people who are experiencing disability as they approach the end of their lives. Although I am, in these senses, a member of the disabled community, I do not have the personal experience of the disabilities discussed in these texts. And furthermore, even if I were speaking as someone who's experienced um, limitations of mobility or sensory impairment um, throughout my life, I would be unable to speak to the breadth of experience and perspectives of all disabled people. Um, so I just wanted to begin with this expression of my limitations. Um, and during response time, I particularly welcome any thoughts that arise from your own experiences um, of disability or from your understanding of the experiences of your disabled of disabled loved ones. Um, and just also, <laughs> I would like to acknowledge that opinion, opinions differ on term the best on terminology that should best be used to discuss various disabilities. Um, I've tried to be thoughtful about my use of language. 
but I recognize that my efforts may have fallen short. And I'd be happy to talk with anyone who has any questions or concerns about the language that I choose to use. Okay, I'm sorry if I was speaking too fast there. I will try to slow down and I do appreciate your patience with these preliminaries. Okay. In one sense, disabled people are a prominent common thread in today's readings. In the Isaiah passage, the first thing, one of the first things discussed that characterized God's coming salvation is the effect on disabled people. Um, the text states that the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf and stopped, then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. Um, that's from the NSR, NRSV translation, a little different from, um, from what Norm read, but same general meaning. Um, the psalm, which we didn't read today, um, I don't think we've read today, but that also included um, a discussion of opening the eyes of the blind, along with giving food to the hungry and other acts of, save, of, um, of God's help to God's people. Um, and finally, in the gospel, when Jesus is asked by John's followers if he is the one they're waiting for, Jesus tells them, go tell John what you hear and see. The blind, are, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. Um, in this sense, in a sense, um, disabled, hope, disa disabled people hold a great significance in these passages. Um, and the healing, their healing is a sign of God's coming to save God's people. In another sense, disabled people are barely present in these passages. There's no disabled individuals who are named. Their words are not recorded. They are not presented as whole or complex people. Um, and while disabled people often discuss how their disability is integral to their identity, or while many disabled people discuss how their disability is integral to their identity, the disabled people in these passages are completely reduced to their disabilities. Disabilities that are being removed through God's saving action. These passages are not addressed to disabled and other marginalized people. They call the majority of God's people to see God's salvation in its effects on those who are often excluded from community. Theology from the perspective of disabled people um, can often express a deep ambivalence about how disabled individuals are discussed in scripture. Disabled people appear so often in the context of their healing as broken people who are being repaired, um, as a sign of God's power and goodness, or as an object lesson to the broader community. Disabled people are rarely given names, and we're rarely told anything about their identity apart from their disability. When disabled people are healed, they are rarely asked if they want to be healed and their feelings about being healed are never explored. I wonder how you feel about that idea. You know, the idea that if asked if they want to be healed of their disability, disabled people might have reservations. Or that their feelings about being healed might be complex enough to warrant further exploration. And when I think about this and when I consider um, those who are disabled in ways that I am not, it doesn't seem complicated to me. 
Who would not want to see, hear, walk if given the opportunity? What would those, what would those being healed feel apart from unreserved joy? But when I think about the disabilities that I have, it feels more complicated. If God chose to suddenly make me neurotypical, um, would I still be the person that I am? And well, I would welcome it if God would chose to take away my anxiety, impaired executive function, and the host of other disabling symptoms that I experience. My feelings about the healing would still be complicated. If God were willing and able to heal me, why would God have let me struggle for the past 43 years? And if God had chose to heal me at some earlier time in my life, would I still be the person I am, if not shaped by those intervening years of struggle? As I listen to the voices of those who are disabled in ways that I'm not, I've heard some of the same ambivalence about the idea of being healed. When scripture so often discusses disabled individuals only in the context of their healing, it opens up a lot of questions about what it means to live with a disability. If God can heal those who have faith, then should we agree with certain Christians who would argue that disabled people would be healed if they just had more faith? I, I don't think so. <laughs> I really don't think so, but it's, you know, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a question that one could ask. Um, do disabled people struggle only so that God's power and glory can be shown when they're healed? And even if we agree that a person of great faith might remain disabled, are there other traps we can wind up falling into? For example, by treating disabled people as living object lessons, fetishized examples of courageous, courageous suffering for their, for their abled siblings to witness. Or by feeling good about ourselves for welcoming our disabled siblings as if they were guests, embraced even though we believe they can't contribute to the work of the community in the ways that able them. I am not saying that I see these things in this community, um, but I think there are, these are some things that I have seen and that we can see if we, with some of the attitude, given the attitudes in scripture and in church about. Early in preparing to speak to, I listened to an episode of the that's the podcast that Rachel Stolpe keeps telling us that we should listen to, and she's right. It's very good. On <laughs> um, the episode um, that I listened to, the Reverend J.J. Flagg talked about his experiences as a disabled person in the church. He discussed the experience um, as a young man of having a Bible school teacher say in front of a class that he would not need a wheelchair if he had more faith. And soon after that experience, he read the passage in John's gospel, when Jesus states that a man born blind, that a man was born blind so that God's glory could be revealed through him. JJ discussed seeing himself in this passage at that time and how in the years since he's grown to see his disability, not as revealing God's glory in some potential future healing, but as revealing God's glory 
reflects God's image and his disability is one of the countless ways that his being expresses the diversity of God's creation. I find this idea so beautiful um, that our disabilities are not examples of brokenness, but as an aspect of our own as people. A very challenging idea because I think most days I would cheerfully sacrifice being a beautiful expression of the diversity of creation if it meant that I could manage my emotions like an actual adult and consistently remember where I left my phone. This idea also seems challenging to me um, because of scripture passages like the one we read today, when the healing of disabled people is cited as an example, is cited as a sign of God's coming salvation. When the scriptures seem to suggest the restoration of God's people includes the restoring of disabled people to an able state, able state that they might never even have experienced before. It's easy to assume, um, or I don't know what I say, I don't know if I want to say it's easy to assume, but it, it might be fair to assume, given this, that disabled people are in their current state broken or insufficient, and that in a world that's set right, disabled people will be made whole in a way that they were not before, restored to become the able-bodied people that God meant them to be. And I am really uncomfortable <laughs> with a lot of, with even saying a lot of these things. Um, so, um, thinking about other ways, other things that might be going on in this passage. I wonder how we would read these passages if we consider the healing of disabled people, not as a sign in, as in, in and of itself, but if we looked at the effect that healing would have. In the Isaiah passage, the text goes on to further describe the way back to Zion which God's people will travel when God acts to restore them. It discusses a hospitable climate with plenty, of, with plenty of water, a road free from predators, and easy to navigate such that, in the translation I read, no travel, not even fools shall go astray. And sidebar, I find that really comforting. Um, the healing of the blind, the deaf, and so on, is not a show of God's power, or at least it's not just a show of God's power. It's a guarantee that those who've been marginalized by disability will be included in, in the community and will arrive safely in the land that God promised their ancestors. This idea that healing does not represent a show of power, but a restoration to community challenges how I've always read the gospel passage that we read today. When Jesus says, go tell John what you see and hear, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. I've always took that to mean that they can know that Jesus is the one they're waiting for because of the power that he's showing in the miracles of healing, raising the dead and so on. But there's one more thing that Jesus adds. The poor have good news brought to them. 
And this is not like the other signs that he mentioned. It's not a miracle or a show of power. And I wonder if good news for the poor suggests that people can know that Jesus is the one they're waiting for because he's making sure that no one is left behind. Perhaps Jesus is pointing to the idea that restoration of God's people includes even those who are often marginalized and forgotten. And I can see how the final line of his response might also support this reading. He says, and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. If Jesus is mostly showing that he has divine or God-given power in the miracles he's doing, I don't know why he would address whether people take offense, would take offense at what he's doing. I wonder if he talks about people taking offense because those who he's concerned with are those who are often pushed to the margins, written off as cursed, unclean, sinful, lazy, or otherwise the authors of their own suffering. Maybe Jesus is telling them that they can know that he's the one they're waiting for, not just because of the power that he's displaying, but because he is using that power to ensure that marginalized people are not left out of the saving work that God is doing. The restoration of those who are sick and disabled does not come in their restoration to health or ability. Maybe it comes insofar as that healing has the effect of restoring them to the community, to, to the community to which they belong. The restoration comes not when people who were seen as broken are suddenly made somehow whole. That rest, maybe that restoration comes when the community is made whole, when people who are believed to be broken and relegated to the margins can take the place where they should always have been welcomed. We look for the future day when all creation would be restored. And I think it's fair to hope that we'll all be healed of that which has caused, which is that which is other illness, disability, trauma, or things too numerous to mention. But in that pre this present age, that sort of miraculous healing is rare. We might heal in part, bit by bit, through medical treatment, various kinds of therapy, but so often we simply learn to live with the things in our bodies and minds that can lead to struggle. restoration in what we do to ensure that people of all abilities are welcome to fully participate in community. It's in making our worship spaces accessible to wheelchairs and other mobility aids, even if laws exempt us from accessibility requirements. It's in taking steps to ensure that those who are blind and hard of hearing can fully experience and participate in worship. It's in recognizing and celebrating ways that people contribute their gifts to community in ways that don't include serving on teams or appearing on worship sign-up sheets. It's in the grace and care we show to one another when chronic illness or mental health difficulties make it hard for us to show up for worship and participate in ways that we'd like. It's in all the ways that we show patience with siblings who have different ways of learning and communicating than ourselves. We live out this future hope, not in the expectation that these disabling conditions will be healed, but by celebrating all of our diversity in a community where no one gets left behind or forgotten.
We'll begin our time of response with uh, Sing the Journey 31. It's the green hymnal, 31. Thanks, Micah. Thanks, everyone who shared. Uh, pray with me. God who is with us, God who is light, we bring our thanks and our worries to you. And God, all of our other unspoken uh, areas of thankfulness and of concern, we bring those to you now. God of hope, who brought love into this world, be the love, love that dwells between us. God of hope who brought peace into this world, be the peace that dwells between us. God of hope, the rock we stand upon, be the center, be the focus of our lives. God of hope who brought joy into this world, be the joy that dwells with, within all of us. Amen. Speaking of restoration, speaking of community, appreciate um, our visuals and how something is being made new in a neat way. I think Rachel H. Scott's been working on it and all of you have been contributing. Feel free to continue to do that. And just, yeah, it speaks of restoration, speaks of community. Love it. Uh, benediction, may you go out in love, emboldened to share the joy of God's light and restoration. Go in peace. Thank you. 